Hey guys, Danny and I discuss a whole lot of songs in this episode, so the easiest way for me to get that organized was to put together a Spotify playlist. It's in the show notes. I know. Let's start the show. This is the Wheel of Randy. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Danny Capillion here today. Hello, Danny. Hi, how you doing? Pretty good. Danny has been in the music business for for a, a long time as a, a producer uh, and arranged a lot of, of really impressive events and tours that you've worked. Uh, Joni Mitchell, Herbie Hancock, done some some Billy Holiday tributes. Just just a, a, just a huge variety of, of acts that, that I'm so interested in to the point that I'm like, why, why is he on my Randy Newman podcast? I should be asking him about some other stuff here. But one thing I had to talk to you about uh, as, as a, a proud citizen of Oklahoma city uh, is your, your Ralph Ellison production. Mm-hmm. Please, please, please tell, tell our audience about that. I'd say about half my audience is Oklahoman. So we love hearing about Ralph Ellison around here. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, that's the next production on my calendar right now. April 14th at the Kimmel Center in Philadelphia is the next performance of Jazz in the Key of Ellison. That show premiered at NJPAC. <clears throat> um, I'm sure you all are familiar with what Audible.com is. Uh, the founder CEO of Audible.com mentored with Ralph Ellison back when he, Don Katz of Audible, uh, was an NYU student in the 70s. And he said his time and influence under Ellison back then provided the impetus for his uh, his inspiration to come up with um, audible.com all those years later. Huh. And um, so I have, I've had a long relationship with the folks who run NJPAC, New Jersey Performing Arts Center. And they contacted me, oh God, it must've been 2015 and said their nearby neighbor in downtown Newark, uh, the head of Audible, uh, that's where Audible's headquarters are, uh, uh, approached the CEO of NJPAC with a suggestion that, um, or question rather, is there an idea of how to conceive and execute a live event having directly to do with um, Ralph Ellison, a celebration of Ellison. And, and, uh, you know, Ellison is, you know, as an individual is not exactly the life of the party. (laughs) little bit of a, I mean, beyond brilliant and influential, important, all of that, there's no question. Uh, um, but my task is to provide entertainment, no, no matter the subject and how dark it might get. And the subject of Ralph Ellison's great work, of course, is very serious, um, Invisible Man and Juneteenth and all. Mm-hmm. So it didn't take a lot of digging to find that Ralph Ellison was more than a passing trumpet aficionado. He was a fine oh, really? he was a fine musician and he was very close friends with many, many great players of his time. He knew Basie, he knew Ella, he he lived near Minton's, the legendary club where 
allegedly done the entire bebop scene was born and flourished in the mid late 40s and 50s and he was a regular there and got to know and invite over to his place um did dizzy and bird and miles and monk and that entire scene and uh he famously amassed a um a huge and amazing record collection of black american music everything from uh armstrong and his hot fives on up to ornette coleman and nina simone and ray charles that and that record collection of his at the time that nj pack and audubon approached me for a suggestion of how to turn this into a show happened to coincide with a, a, a special exhibit of Ralph Ellison's record collection at the Harlem Jazz Museum. So this turned out to be an easy equation, and uh, we created a lot, a great live event celebrating the, in essence, the musical world of Ralph Ellison. And um, uh, the Andy Farber Orchestra became uh, the foundation the band Andy Farber has been a lead tenor and arranger with the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra for over 20 years so many of the players were Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra and Winton alumni top shelf and he knows his charts knows all this music inside out I brought in um, Winton as the guest soloist and Patty Austin, Angelique Kijo, and Catherine Ooh. Russell on lead vocals, and Joe, the actor Joe Morton was our guest host narrator for the evening, and um, it was a great event. The show toured a little bit around a number of top performing art centers in 2019, and then, of course, came the shutdown, and we have another event coming in April at the Kimmel Center in Philadelphia. We're all really looking fo- forward to That's also going to be with Andy and his band, this time with John F- Faddis as the guest so- soloist. Liz Wright, Nona Hendricks, and Kiana Linnell are the guest lead vocalists. And um, we're waiting uh, imminently, we hope, to confirm our special guest host narrator. Never want to say who it is until it's a done deal. I know what you mean. Uh, has it been filmed or is there talk of it being filmed? This, this seems like it should be on great performances. Wow. Uh, if you type in uh, jazz in the key of Ellison at NJPAC, there you, you should have no trouble finding an eight-minute promo video from that premiere in the fall of 2016 that includes some of those performances and interviews with a number of the folks in the show. Mm, I've got to pull that up. Mm-hmm. This uh, this is right up my alley, Danny. Um, I spent a solid six months, uh, just heavy rotation, listening to that uh, Langston Hughes, Charles Mingus production. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just this. I, I, I'd never seen a, a better combination of, of spoken word and, and jazz put together uh, as, as that Weary Blues record. And that, that, that's the thing that got me from, from, from liking Langston Hughes to, to truly loving him. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ready to reach the next level with Ralph Ellison. So, well, I'll me. give you a next level if, if you'll. Pardon me for inter- interjecting oh, no, here. No. I have a son who just turned 17. His name is Leaf. 
L-I-E-F-F, and he is a committed, dedicated, talented drummer, deep, deep into the world of black music where jazz and R&B, funk, and hip-hop all overlap. Mm-hmm. And um, among much of the history, he is particularly taken these days, besides so much of the foundational stuff of um Acoustic and electric, Herbie and Miles and and earlier Monk and all of that, not up through the fusions and on to D'Angelo and Snarky Puppy and the rest of that. But he's particularly taken these days with that whole remarkable circle of musicians in 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 in, in the musical universe of Kendrick Lamar, the great oh, yeah. players who have uh, who who are in this. Um, somewhat of an orbit and i'm referring specifically to terrace martin flying lotus thundercat kamasi washington robert glasper and we took uh leaf just turned 17 a few days ago and uh, as part of his birthday present we took him to the blue note to see terrace martin and friends a great great band and um Terrific gig. He's there all week and uh, this past week. And um, honestly, there's a, there was a song that night that I, I just have not been able to get out of my head. I was already a fan, but not in as deep, deeply as my son. And I mentioned the song to him and he said, Dad, I've been telling you to dig that album that the song comes from. The song is called Freeze Tag, and it's from the 2020 album by Terrace Martin and Robert Glasper called Dinner Party. And I cannot, you know, since you're talking about the Langston Hughes, uh, Charlie Ming, Ming is, I'm just tossing it out there, a little suggestion to get with where words and music are really doing very magical and amazing things right now. I can't recommend that album Dinner Party highly enough. Um, It's one of those super smart examples of the lyrics tugging you hard in one direction and the music tugging you hard in the absolute opposite direction at the same time. Uh, It's a rare feat to pull off. Yes, it is. Anyway, that's my one recommendation following up on what you were just talking talking about all right i will check that out today yeah uh so uh, the you've got you've got the ellison uh production going can you tell me a little more about uh your work with with uh joni mitchell and herbie, herbie hancock because i know they've been close friends for a long long time um t- tell me about, about they've that been production. close friends with each other i'm not close friends <laughs> with either <laughs> just had the pleasure and privilege of working with them both a good number of times. Uh-huh. For me, it started in 1999, actually 1998. I was approached by um, a colleague who was, we, we, we were both out of the George Wien and Festival Productions circle of producers from the 80s, 90s. And he was then um, running Central Park Summer Stage. And they've had for many years still do, I think, uh, an annual Canada Day celebration. And he asked if I would, he invited me to come up with a project to present there um, to celebrate Canada Day live in Central Park. This is for June 1st, 1999. And I knew immediately what I wanted to do. Uh, And it was an insane idea. 
um, but I wanted to celebrate what would then be the 20th anniversary of Joni's legendary Mingus tour in 1979, uh, which I saw at the Forest Hills Tennis Stadium. That was the tour with that extraordinary band of hers that included Pat Metheny and Jaco Pistorius and Michael Brecker and Lyle May wow. and, uh, and Donald Lias on drums and percussion. And almost what blew me away the most about that show that she did on that tour was that, except for only one solitary song at the very end of the show, the entire set included no music from her pre-jazz-influenced era. There was nothing from Blue, nothing from For the Roses, nothing from Clouds. It was all only from those five jazz influenced albums of hers court and spark kissing of summer lawns mm-hmm. uh hijira don juan's reckless daughter and mingus and that of course if you're any kind of knowledgeable Joni fan not you just in general um you know that that was certainly musically the most adventurous uh and creative and risky run of creative music that she ever had oh sure remarkable and she lost a lot of fans and gained other new fans and uh so we recreated in our own way that tour with uh live in central park with vernon reed and don byron as the co-musical directors and uh a 14-piece ensemble that shifted in and out depending on the instrumentation for the songs and Guest singers included Chaka Khan, Jane Sibri, Duncan Sheik, PM Dawn, if you remember him, uh, who was great, great early hip hop artist, um, uh, Eric Anderson, wide range. And to the utter shock of everybody, me most of all, uh, 30 minutes before the show, uh, utterly unannounced of VW Beetle pulled up backstage and outstepped Joni and her then boyfriend uh, from Canada. And we were all just completely slack jawed. Uh, I had notified her management about four or five months earlier, just out of. Sure. Just a courtesy. Just out of exactly a courtesy to let them know that we were doing this. We certainly didn't need their permission, but. Nobody ever let me know that it had been passed on to her and she decided to show up, which was just utterly amazing. Uh, 11? How many years later? 12 years later, a second opportunity came to bring a new edition of that same show called Joni's Jazz uh, to the Hollywood Bowl, and uh, where, where I'd already been doing work for about a decade by that time. Mm-hmm. And this time I invited Brian Blade to be the music director, who, of course, is one of the most remarkable and inventive musicians, an incredible drummer. Uh, he, he had been Joni's drummer on three albums and numerous tours and was a member of the Wayne Shorter Quartet, played with Herbie, et cetera, et cetera. So um, we assembled an amazing show for that in was it September, August or September 2011 at the bowl uh, with um, killing ensemble, an eight, nine piece ensemble with guests, Tom Scott on sax, Wayne Shorter on saxes and Herbie at the piano. And their lead singers were uh, 
Amy Mann, Cassandra Wilson, Kurt Elling, um, Chaka Khan, and uh, Glenn Hansard. Wow. And, uh, and, and the second half of the program was the full album, The Hissing of Summer Lawns, from beginning to end in sequence. Uh, that was really quite something. And then a number of other special occasions came my way from that. A number of years later, 2018, I was invited to produce uh, Joni 75, the big TV production for PBS and uh-huh. Universal Mu- Mu- Music at the LA M- Music Center that you may be familiar with. And yeah, so that wor- worked out great. It was very moving and um, on to new things always, you know. Always, um, that's right. The uh, the pandemic uh, has screwed up a lot of shit. <laughs> yep. Caused a lot of delays. And um, one thing uh, which will help circle this back a little bit to Randy, uh, I have a production coming to the Hollywood Bowl this coming July 27th. It's a two years delayed. Uh, it, it was supposed to be in 2020, a centennial celebration of Peggy Lee. Ooh. Uh, but over the course of the time that has gone on since the delay and numerous reschedulings, now we finally have a confirmed date and the bowl announced their season last week. It's now a celebration of Peggy Lee and her close, longtime close colleague and friend, Frank Sinatra, too. Okay. Uh, but I'm, in order to keep the centennial of Peggy Lee as front and center as I can without shortchanging Mr. Sinatra, who's had more than his share of tributes and celebrations, and Peggy deserves it. Sure. Um, so we're doing them separately rather than integrating A being um, Sinatra song, Peggy song, and back and forth like that. It's going to be a Sinatra thing to open and a Peggy thing uh, a, a celebration separate for the second half of the program. And um, We've got some really special friends, and as I like to do, I went outside of the box and uh, fortunately had the estate of Peggy Lee on my side all the way through this, and we've confirmed Billie Eilish and Debbie Harry Wow! to join um, uh, Diane Reeves and Brian Stokes Mitchell. Christian McBride is the music director, and a couple of further guests to be announced. Uh, but I'm particularly excited about Billy and Debbie, of course, because sure. um, they're outside of normal expectations. When you think of Peggy Lee, you're thinking classic great American song, song, songbook and modern interpreters of that. And Billy and Debbie are outside of that, and yet they make a lot of sense. Both it does. I, I, I can see both of them fitting in. And they're both really, really deeply into it. And it's a really one wonderful thing. So here's the R- Randy tie. And that is, uh, I mean, I've been a Peggy fan for a long, long, long time. Nobody had to twist my arm to take this on and, and try and make it as exciting and contemporary as it could be. And my favorite of hers has always been, um, is that all there is. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, for, but for all the decades that I have loved that song, I mean, you can't know everything all the time, right? But And it should have been obvious, but I only learned in the last year that Peggy's original recording of Is That All There Is, which, of course, is a, a, a masterpiece. 
mm-hmm. uh, um, a highlight in her catalog and among all great music, written, of course, by Mike Lieber and uh, uh, Jerry Lieber, Lieber and Stoller, Mike yeah. Stoller yeah. right? Uh-huh. Uh, um, uh, that the track was arranged by a young and unknown Randy Newman <laughs> in 1969. I'm, I'm quite sure you knew that forever yeah and uh, uh, well not forever but since i started diving into this and i know he's got a couple of tracks on there uh i think they reworked linda into um the mm. escaped me uh but then she did a version of of love story you and me on that mm-hmm. it's just yeah it's just an extraordinary album yeah it's just i i i love that the the more i research uh this show the more of, of of Randy's fingerprints I see, you know, as a songwriter and as a composer in in surprising places. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, you know, I was talking yeah. with, with someone today, and I, I found Morrissey did a, a Randy cover, and I never would have never would have put those two together. But it's just there are all these surprises out there. Uh, the mm-hmm. into this. Well, yeah, I think that all falls into the generalized category of never ever judge a book by its cover exactly no pun intended <laughs> not at all um and you know that that that's that's why i i, I put this the show together this because I, I saw randy as being not tragically misunderstood you know he's doing fine but uh, the uh, songwriters and singers and so i found especially um comics knew the real randy uh a whole lot more than the general population uh, and just just ha- having people see more and more of of the depth and and, and breadth of his work uh, mm-hmm. is, is just something that, that I love sharing with people. So let's talk about this Nielsen tribute mm-hmm. uh, that that you did. A uh, uh, friend of the show, Andy Kindler, uh, introduced it to me, and mm-hmm. uh, I I had heard it before, but I had not made made the connection before. Uh, this this record came out not long after after Harry died in what ninety three ninety four. Uh, we started work on it in ninety three, and it came out in early ninety five. I want to say maybe it was late ninety four. Harry lived just long enough to hear uh, the first recording that we got, which was by uh, the one the one artist that he requested of Al Al. Cooper and myself, who we co-produced the album, uh, to um, uh, he, uh, Harry loved the band Jellyfish, and I, I love Jellyfish too. And uh, they they did a cover of "Think About Your Troubles," a great, really fine Beatlesque recording, kind of a taking that. I mean, you don't have to travel far to take that song to the realm of like side one of Magical Mystery Tour, but yeah. that's kind of where they went. Uh, but I'm glad to share the Randy story. I sort of laid it out, I think. I don't have a copy of it here, but uh, I, I, I think the Randy story for that album, the album was called For the Love of Harry, Everybody Loves Nilsson on BMG. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I wanted Randy more than anybody uh, because Harry had done... Of course, the N- Nilsson sings Newman, which is just that beautiful, just came beautiful. out in 1970, won the Stereo Review Album of the Year award, and and that again, you know, a year 
fully after Randy did the arrangement for Peggy Lee's Is That All There Is, Randy was still uh, a largely unknown artist at that time. Right. And here was Harry Nelson, who had had major influence, number one hits covering um, Everybody's Talking uh, by Fred Neal for the soundtrack of Midnight Cowboy. And um, one had already come out by this. Right. But yes, yes. One, which, of course, was the hit by Three Dog Night, Mm -hmm. another L.A. studio invention. (laughs) And. And um, and yet another connection with Randy, of course, because one of their other big hit singles at the same time was Randy's Mama Told Me Not to Come. Right. Uh, I Can't Live If Living Is Without You was, Rand, uh, was Harry's other gigantic smash hit. And I can't remember. Am I wrong? Maybe that came out after. Yeah, that, that was on Schmilson. So that Schmilson was after. Things, Newman. So yeah, right. so I guess that was a year or two, two after. But anyway, Harry was better known oh, yeah. than Randy by far already. And that's the point. And he was knocked out by Randy and uh, recorded an entire album, literally titled Nilsson Sings Newman. And as you say, it is pretty close to a ma- masterpiece. Yeah. Plays the instruments and sings all the 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 vocal parts. Did the arrangements and some of the recordings? Dare dare I say exceed Randy's own? But Harry is an an amazing artist. Um, I I I love the symbolism of the cover that we have Harry uh, driving a car and we've got Randy possibly asleep in the back seat. Right. Right. Just just kind of the great great commentary on on the relationship here right who's driving the car here so right so to my to the best of my understanding at that time randy had never um quote unquote returned the favor i don't i i i didn't think randy had ever covered a harry song not that i've been able to find now up until that time um up until the time we were working on this album and al certainly agreed that we should try and get that done. So um, to try and summarize, um, but like I mentioned, I'd done a lot of work with George Wien and festival productions. George, of course, was the founder, legendary founder of the Newport Folk Festival, Newport Jazz Festival, JBC Jazz Festival, Cool Jazz Festival, New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival, and an, an amazing person um, uh, who just recently passed at 95, several months back. Anyway, so I was back and forth to Newport for the Jazz Festival and the Folk Festival like every year, mm-hmm. um, whether I was involved or just coming as a fan. I knew the whole staff who ran it. And um, I wasn't getting anywhere with my correspondence with Randy's management. I mean, there was, I mean, I got a reply, but there was no follow-up. I mean, it just happens. People are busy, you know, and um and the album uh, that we were making, we were asking for gratis uh, performances because the album was a fundraiser for um, the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence, something particularly near and dear to Harry. Right, because uh, of John Lennon, right? Is is very close friendship with John Lennon. Harry yeah. was best friends with all of the Beatles, which is a separate story, but an amazing <laughs> one. 
Anyway, so I knew that Her- I-, I knew that Randy was going to be playing a headline set at the Newport Folk Festival. And so I just, I called ahead, arranged for a backstage pass, and I left that day. It was a sa- Saturday, whatever it was, first weekend of August, um, and drove up. And, you know, it was a beautiful day, and there was ridiculous traffic on I-95 um, all the way across Connecticut, and, uh, and um, I got stuck in it and um, and I knew what time he was going on and I didn't need to see the set I just needed five minutes with him <laughs> yep and, and and um and I was starting to freak out and driving like a maniac and <laughs> anyway I got I drove over the bridge if if you know that approach into New, Newport I drove over the bridge and turned right into the old town you got to go through the town and then around the peninsula to where the old fort is, where they stage the the festivals. So getting into Newport, you still got 30 minutes to go on the road. And I was like, I'm never going to f- make it. This is, <laughs> this is not going to happen, man. And, and, and um, you know, and, and there's no knowing if the artist is going to finish the set and just leave, you know, there's right. no, right. I mean, plenty of artists that they, they do their set, they say their quick goodbyes and they head back to their hotel or onto the airport or wherever they're going. Right. Mm-hmm. Particularly in a place like Newport. Right. Um, it's not really a city, so to speak. Right. Sure. So it's bumper to bumper getting, getting into the center of old, downtown newport and i'm stuck in it and i'm freaking out looking at my watch knowing i'm, I'm you know just feeling like a, a schmuck I, I i dress nice i put on a suit jacket and i had my bag with all my notes and da 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 and i suddenly remembered as i'm coming up into the the town along the harbor opposite where uh the uh the stages by the old fort that the festival had a little ferry service for fans that went straight from the wharf in downtown Newport that cut across the harbor took about 15 minutes. Um, So there was no place to park. I literally pulled my car up on the sidewalk and left it there, figuring if it's towed, it's towed, whatever. I left it on the sidewalk, well, on, on the grassy median, you know, I'll, I'll find it. I'll deal with it le- later. Race to where I knew that little ferry service was, and there it goes. Just as I get to it, they pull up the gangplank oh. or whatever it is and pull away. And the next one's not for another hour. And I stand there, just you know, head in hands, dick in my hands, <laughs> you know, and and, and I'm like fuck. And, you know, I, I just felt like such a loser. And then I look down and I see there's this just a local f- fisherman in a little blow up d- d- oh, no. dinghy paddling around in there. And I call out to the guy, hey, I really urgently need to get across to the festival side. Can I pay you $20 just to take me across? And he's like, mm, yeah, come on, come on down. So this is all absolute truth. And I climbed down in my suit jacket and my nice shoes and my bag and everything. And he turns the motor on and zips me across the harbor, uh, 
15 minutes and um and i am soaked <laughs> absolutely soaked from the spray because this thing is bobbing up and down across the ocean water and i get to the other side and i am i am soaked my my suit my hair my face my bag everything and regardless i i scramble up the other side i say thank you hand him his 20 thank you so much and I'm, you know, the set is over. I know it because I don't hear any music or applause or anything. Uh, so I have to run to the window, get my get my laminate, race backstage, wave at my colleagues. And they're like, where are you going? And I find his dressing room trailer, knock on the door. And he is inside with his manager and he's just putting his jacket on to leave. Mm. And I am beyond out of breath totally ridiculous looking soaked to the skin and say hi to his ma- manager we just haven't spoken in ages Ugh, um I don't have it handy anyway um and she goes hi um i didn't know uh i didn't know you were coming by are you okay you look and i said don't ask <laughs> she goes oh well here say hi to say hi to randy so um so i do and um he says, yeah, yeah, sorry we haven't gotten back to you. It's just been a busy schedule. Uh, but um, sure, I'd love to do it. Why don't you just g- give us a choice of three songs, okay? And we'll let you know as quickly as we can. And, you know, sometimes just that face-to-face is all it takes. Yeah. Actually, wow. that is all it takes almost all the time. I'm sick of being on the phone and online and all of that crap. I want to meet with people. Yeah. Uh, so I don't remember what the other two so- songs were, but he selected remember. And um, I'm so glad he did. Cause that's, that's one of my favorite Harry tunes. Oh, absolutely. But that's not the end of the story. Oh, okay. So it took about a month more to get confirmation from Randy that he was going to do that song. And, he, and, and, and then I don't know how much longer before we, we had a, uh, um, li- literally a cassette tape sent to us in the mail of his recording. And I happened to be with Al at a hotel in New York and we sat down with a little boombox in the lobby of the hotel and listened to it together for the first time and i'm you've obviously heard it and it's it's gut-wrenching there uh it's about the most raw emotion you've ever heard from randy it's just him and piano just him and him on voice with piano and the two of us al and i were like we said the same thing at the same time this track opens the album yeah it just has to open the album it is it's uh, there, there was no question, and uh, it, it, it was an extraordinary gift. So that happens, and the al- the the album is mixed and sequenced and mastered, and gets released. And we have a couple of great opening events in New York and Los Angeles. And after the event in Los Angeles, you know, a, you, you know, a couple of artists come and play some of the songs. Da 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 da. Harry by this time had passed. And um, and he'd been mean, sick. He'd been sick for quite a while. Yes, you? he had. Uh, but in the course of this, I had gone out to meet with Harry's widow Una to get well to meet her and to get permission for 
from her to look through family photographs that we would include in the album booklet. BMG was doing a great job, like a 32-page full-color book uh, for the CD. And uh, yes, back when there were CDs. And, um, And the coda is, when I went back to visit Una after the album came out, to follow up, she was really happy with how everything had turned out and you know, there's a lot of kids around. Harry had seven kids, uh, six of his seven with Una. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was a big family. I met three of the kids at the house and it was raining that day that I went there, uh, went back there. And I'm getting ready to leave and thanking her so much for all her help. And she suddenly turns to me and says, hey, I'm heading over to the cemetery. You want to ride over with me? I, I stop at Harry's grave like once every once a week just for my own moment why'd you come come along mm-hmm. and i was like wow really that's a really personal thing yeah, but it's a, of, of, of course i would love to and so we we drove drove, drove over and it, it was about a mile away i think uh agora hills if you know where that is mm-hmm. on the west side towards the west side of san fernando valley and we drove over and there's a gentle rain and it's overcast you know and uh, we get out and we walk up the path together under an umbrella. She goes, okay, here it is. And I look down and there, to, to my just utter astonishment, the only, aside from his name, birthday, birth, death day, loving husband, father, blah, 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 was only one large word on the, across the gravestone. And it was just the word remember. Wow. Wow. wow, wow. I know. And after that whole adventure going to track down Randy, and that was the song he chose. And not only did he choose that song, he just he 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 went deep. He yeah. went deep. He he un clearly understood the gravity and i stood there in the rain looking at that and turned to una and i just and she just put her arms around me and i started bawling like a f-ing infant i just lost it just one of those raw f-ing moments man and she goes you had no idea you there was no way you could have known That's when it. we chose that song that's beautiful. That Harry had already selected that for the gravestone. Mm. He did it himself. And that's, that's and so and, and I and of course I never brought it up with I never I've never even thought to ask Randy. I, I don't think he and Harry were close. I really don't. Oh really? L- well, later on, I well, mean, later, I don't yeah. think they like hung out or knew knew each other. I mean, Harry was a party animal you know <laughs> I, I i never really think of randy being that type but anyway that so so that that connection with randy's cover of that song ended up having a much deeper and more personal resonance than i could ever have imagined yeah. and i've never forgotten that uh uh and i can never listen back it, it's hard to hear that recording again for me i mean it's joyful don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's always emotional. There were just certain some moments when you and 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 I could say that about things that would you know you you, you might say really and I'd say you know what I have a I I, I have a, a different kind of but but weirdly similar emotional resonance 
when I hear Everything in Its Right Place, the opening track from Radiohead's Kid A, mm. because of where I was at the time and who turned me on to that album. Okay. Uh, um, which is, if I go off on that, story, <laughs> it's, it just, yeah, but that's what amazing music does, you know, it can, and, and this is uh, something I need to impress on you and your listeners, watchers, followers, all of you. I love Randy's later original music as much as I love his earlier music. Mm-hmm. I love Bad Love every bit as much as I love uh, uh, Sam sail away and sure randy is of that generation of um boomers who went on to have families and raise their kids and they have jobs mm-hmm. <laughs> to say it the way george carlin would say it right. fucking people in their jobs <laughs> and it's i understand why it's harder for such a large percentage of people who grew up where music was so fundamental to new music was so fundamental and important to their growing up years and into their 20s but then newer music didn't really play the same role and it's really hard to hear new music that hits you that hits somebody in the same way uh um and so i would just say yeah it's a different time radio music on the radio doesn't play the same role as it did Sure. Uh, we're listening to shit on our, you know those who are into it are listening to stuff on their devices and uh and 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 streams and i mean you can even make a case going back to cds you know we're all you know the way we listen is totally driven by changes in technology let me ask you when cds came out okay in all the years that you collected cds did you ever once in your life put on a cd starting where side two would have started never exactly the thought would never even occur to you and that's the point that the technology drove the listening experience away from what it had been for 50 years right mm-hmm. there was a reason why artists selected a song to end side one and another one to begin side two right that 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 there was a linear sensibility a story being told in distinct chapters oh um, I, 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 I i love that little commentary that uh, uh that tom petty puts on full mm. moon fever mm. basically saying hello cd listeners this is where tra- this is where side one ends yes let's take, let's take a few seconds before we yes. move on yes that's exactly what i'm talking about yeah and and, and so given this and you know, this whole realm of where we are these days, driven by Spotify and uh, Apple Music and all the rest of it, right? Mm-hmm. right. Um, I can tell you there is new music that can more than get under your skin, just like the music we all grew up with. And, and, and I would put that album Dinner Party by Terrace Martin and Robert Glasper and Kamasi Washington in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to remember, there was great film that came out in 2020 that included an extraordinary track uh by L- lauren hill that just ripped me apart um this just so much i mean last couple of albums by esperanza spaulding oh yeah you know just it's it, 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 
There's a lot of fantastic stuff. PJ PJ Harvey's last two studio albums. Oh, really? Especially Let England Shake, which is not new. I mean, that album came out like seven years ago already. What an uh, oh my god, hmm. top to bottom, what a what a absolute masterpiece. I, I, it's just I, so I, much, and 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 we don't. Folks either don't have the time because music doesn't play the same role in their lives or they're not part of the way younger people absorb new music now. Right. You I, know? I, I, I think that's... Uh, I don't mean to go off on this. Oh, no, 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 because I have, to, I have opinions complete, on this. It, it's completely relevant and important. It, to me, it's so important to find a DJ that you can trust. Um, you mean and, on the radio? Yeah. I mean, John Solomon over at WPRB... Uh, you know, I, is a, a, a personal friend and a friend of the show. Uh, and his, his Wednesday night show uh, introduces me to to so much more of, of what's new out there. Um, and John's willing to put the work in. John's willing to filter through mm-hmm. the, the junk, and 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 I'm able to to enjoy the fruit of his labor. No, it's really great when you find somebody who's that yeah. kind of guide. There are several remarkable DJs, air personalities, whatever you want to call them, on the brilliant WWOZ out of New Orleans. Mm. I moved to New Orleans in 2019 and lived, my family lived there for two years. Uh, We moved back to New York this past September. Uh, I I cannot recommend, WWOZ is so... The Bob Dylan said WWOC is his fantasy radio station come mm. to life. <laughs> um, and it's not, it, it is primarily celebrating the heritage of New Orleans in all of its broadest range. But if you tune in late at night and, and they stream live, there were folks on the late night programs on OC that go way out. Yeah. And 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 filter remarkable new material in with heritage stuff uh, uh, from Dave Mar, you know all the classic Dave Bartholomew, Fats Domino on up to James Booker and Doctor John and Daniels and all the rest, you know, and, uh, and and contemporaries like B.J. Morton and Tank and the Bangas and all that. But an incredible station uh, that really kind of stands alone. And yes, there are, of course, others, you know, that filtered around the country where there's one great dedicated oddball personality who lives for that opportunity to be a guide. Yeah. You know, the guide in the dark, you know. Tell you, yeah. Or in right. your car. Radio is... Uh... It's not what it used to be. But you can create your own radio. You can. You know, I mean, I've got, um, uh, you know, I've got a, um, what used to be called an iTunes library. I guess it's just Apple Music now, you know, and Uh 99.9% of it is not music that I bought. It's literally thousands of albums on CD that I downloaded over the course of all these years. And there's probably 30, 40,000 tracks in my iTunes library. And I just put it on shuffle in the background. Uh You never know what's going to come up. It could be Ravel string quartet or Lauren Hill mm-hmm. or uh, Randy Newman or um, Tumani Diabati out of Mali. You know, it's just all over the place. And I love mixing things up. And also something will suddenly pop up that I forgot that I have in there that I haven't heard in 20 years or more. There was a McCartney song that 
came up on my iTunes shuffle while I was in the middle of some deep business correspondence. And it was obviously him and I'd completely forgotten the song. This Mm. was just like three, four months ago. And I had to stop my work Uh and play it again. I was like, and until I, and it's an astonishing song. It's one of the greatest things he's ever written and recorded written by the way, in, in 69, And there's a snippet of it that he's working out in the Peter Jackson eight-hour Beatle documentary, Uh Get Back. One of those unfinished things that he's still doing. It's that song, uh, The Back Seat of My Car, is the last Mm. track on the album Ram. Okay. 1970, 71, 71, I guess. Um, You know, the album with Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey. An unbelievable, I, I can't... Just like when we're done, when we're done with this Zoom, Dan, just take three and a half minutes and go to Spotify or wherever you have the album Ram or can find the album Ram and just quick play the song Backseat of My Car and don't pause. Just listen through for the three and a half minutes until the end. Don't don't let your eyes wander to something that just popped up on your screen. Just Keep your headphones on and give it those three and a half uninterrupted minutes to the end. You got and it. Without, it's an oh my God moment. It really, really is. It's an utter oh my God moment. And yeah, I hadn't listened to that in 30 years. And I'd completely forgotten about the song, completely forgotten about the album almost. And so just furthering this whole digression of how do we all listen to music these days well in some instances we're able to create our own radio stations you know through the gift of stuff that we've downloaded or and of course on spotify you know for all the arguments with you know 200 million dollars to joe rogan and wherever you stand on that you know uh, on on both spotify and apple music and the others you can create your own playlists you know and and play them back on shuffle and i know it's not quite the same as having that mystery voice guide you but (laughs) it can count for a lot and don't forget npr music too sure sure. those folks are you know npr music is digging into so much of so you know so much that is new and great for people who like us you know like we're talking about here who i don't know if they aren't part of this generation but i don't know if they do it anymore but npr used to do a south by southwest 100 just 100 songs that were highlight from artists at that year southwest 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 yeah i was introduced to so many people just from that little little thing there yep yep instead of returning to south by southwest this year i'm going to the big ears festival in knoxville oh nice are you familiar with it no no but i'm a big fan of knoxville well ashley cops the ashley caps rather the co-founder of the bonnaroo festival Mm -hmm. Uh, his heart is really into some extremely non-commercial and brilliant music across multiple genres. And a number of years ago started an alternative, literally alternative music festival called Big Ears in Knoxville, uh, pretty much overlapping with when South By goes on. And um, it's pretty fantastic. And just one thing and another, I haven't gotten to go, but I'm going this year and I'm, I'm psyched. Nice. Um, and it's 
a wide range of contemporary adventurous jazz and contemporary classical to Patti Smith, Animal Collective, uh, um, Annette Peacock, some real Terry Allen, really great adventurous stuff. Look it up. Okay. I've got two more questions for you. And sure. Uh, okay. First of all, tell me about the picture on the cover of this album. It's, it's Harry with uh, seven or eight children. Yeah, uh, Al and I were doing some research for photos, and um, we came across this. It was, God, I want to say that it was Harry with a boys' choir at a BBC studio. Yeah, I can see that. I don't remember what it was for. It was a sing-along thing that he had arranged and was organizing, we just—it was so joyful. Oh yeah, it's a great, great, picture. it's a great photo. And of course, we checked with Una, Harry's widow, mm-hmm. and she loved it. She knew the photo, and she said that's a great shot. And we purposely, you know, because he had just passed. I mean, it was a black and white photo to begin with, but we purposely didn't colorize it. We made the titling of the album in uh, like lo- lollipop Crayola colors yeah, yeah, o- uh-huh. over the black and white photo. Mm-hmm. So there was a sense of the recent past. Yeah. What it's worth. Last song, last, last question off of this album. Mm-hmm. Victor- Victoria Williams does the puppy song. Mm-hmm. Do I need to give Victoria Williams a second chance? Well, um, <laughs> well, I don't know how you mean that. Well, I, a recording my, of that song or well, Victoria Williams my, as an artist? My only exposure to Victoria Williams is that album Victoria Williams sing, sings some old songs. Okay, I'll and, tell you which album. There's one album by Victoria Williams that is utterly essential, and I'm going to find it for you right now. Okay. Hang on. It's called Loose, L-O-O-S-E, from 1994. I will check it out. And that album is pretty close to a masterpiece top to bottom um you know at the time she was married to um oh shame on me i'm forgetting his name um one of the co-founder leaders of the jayhawks um oh i'm forgetting great songwriters so this was this album was a bit of a partnership by victoria and him i'm you'll see see it but the album Loose by Victoria is, is a, a really, really brilliant album and, and inspired and loony and musical and great and moving, too. Mm. Really moving. And I had gotten exposed to Victoria many, many times from seeing her live at the, the old Bottom Line here in New York a great legendary club in the village for 30 years. And um, so that's my recommendation. Uh, Dig into that album Loose by Victoria Williams. So I'm listening to Backseat in My Car, then Loose, and then WWOZ, and then Dinner Party. I, I think I'm set for a couple of days. Dan. They're all, yes, they're all top recommendations. In, and, and of course, I could add a hundred more. Well, actually, I'm going to give you one more. And it's that L- Lauren Hill track. Okay. Hang on and I'll tell you. I mean, I, I, I love Miseducation. So yes, it, but it, this any, is any a, Lauren Hill track is worth my this time. Is, uh, hang on. This is just from two, three years ago. Mm. It's so f- 
haunting. I mean, I, I, I it was an earworm for me for days and days and days. Shook me up to my core, made me wa- walking around with tears in my eyes. But of course, you know, it's a bit in the context of the, the film. It came on at the very end over the closing credits of a really heavy, brilliant film. Again, the film is called Queen and Slim, 2019. And at the very, very end of the film, just as like literally cut to the cut hard to the closing credits and this track by Lauren Hill, which I found out after the fact, because it was just utterly mesmerizing. And in the context of the climax of this film, just takes your breath away. I was like, what? This sounds like Lauren Hill. What is this? I never heard this before. And I had to go home to the computer and look it up. And she wrote the song specifically for the this debut film by this new young filmmaker. Wow. And spent like six months working in the studio to perfect this one track. The song is called guarding the gates i cannot it yeah it, it, i i really have no words <laughs> if she had never made miss miseducation uh this one song would make you go oh my god who is this person mm. wow so that's my last recommendation for the moment <laughs> all right uh, Danny, Danny. ask me if i live for this stuff and randy <laughs> i mean We'll see if and when the moment is right to invite Randy to come and be a guest on piano with Debbie Harry, who's going to sing Is That All There Is mm. at the Hollywood Bowl. Fingers crossed. But we'll see. We'll see. I don't know yet. Yeah. I don't know yet. I haven't brought it up. So if you have any relationship with him and his manager, Kathy, uh, don't say anything. <laughs> I am well below their radar. Not to worry about that. Well, they're probably aware that what you're doing ex- oh, no. exists. <laughs> I'd probably need to delete a couple episodes and just to be safe. Anyway, a pleasure to chat with you. That, Danny, thank you so much. This has that been Nielsen great. album was an amazing experience, and the Randy portion of it, uh, though it was one of almost two dozen tracks, was uh, a pin- pinnacle and remains so till now. Even though other tracks on the album included Ringo, Stevie Nicks, Jimmy Webb, uh, um, Fred Schneider, Fred Schneider, who uh, uh, an extraordinary cover of Turn on the Radio. Yeah. Listen to my song. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Cohn. Unbelievable. And that's the song that we go into after. Uh, and then that goes into one covered by Amy Mann. I love Amy Mann. She's and so Amy funny. Mann's cover of one from that album became an extended edited version of Amy Mann covering one opening the film Magnolia by Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh my gosh, it was. That came from this album. Holy cow. Mm -hmm. We said they asked for permission. They said you can use it after one year has gone by because we were trying to raise money for the coalition to stop gun violence. Yeah. Right. And Paul Thomas Anderson, man, what to say about that guy? As yeah. good as it gets, mm. if you're a film guy, that is yet another thick conversation. Yeah. Anyway, a pleasure to speak with you. A pleasure. Fantastic. Well, that's it for another episode of Wheel of Randy. We are part of the Good Trash Media Network. Be sure to check out our sister shows, I guess. Uh, Praise Down and Good Trash Genre Cast. 
special thanks to everyone who has contributed music in the past few days. Special thanks to Brian Mays for our artwork. You can check him out on Facebook at Brian Mays Art. And uh, Spotify sucks. See you next time. Bye. And the wheel of Randy.